got you. All right, thank you. Well, that would be a preliminary thing, Tony. So that's what we're going to talk about now. Um, so the, uh, the guess of who wrote the book of Hebrews is Paul. It's still one of the, I think, the best uh, sources. Although uh, one of the, uh, the authors I was reading proposed it could also be Luke. Um, because Luke, as uh, Paul's scribe, who wrote the book of Luke, probably from Paul and his recountings, um, could have also written this book of Hebrews. Um, but, again, not only is the title not on it, although in the past, the title was according to Paul. So that, that was some of the, the hinting there. Later on, it became a question. Um, because the way Paul writes is a little different than the way Hebrews is written. Um, but again, that authorship uh, could, be, could be both. But it's canonicity, meaning it's... Um, so canon is rule or the norm. It was from the very first time it was circulated, accepted uh, as scripture. And when you read through it, it authenticates itself. So as you go through, you find Christ crucified for our sins. Um, and so this is why we can accept the book of Hebrews uh, as also canonical or within the rule of our faith. Um, okay, so the time period... Uh, probably anywhere from 40 to 60 A.D. is the guess, uh, because there was an ancient Christian father who wrote First Clement, and he wrote around 70 A.D. or before, and he quotes the book of Hebrews. So we know it was sometime before 70 A.D., um, and some people guess even earlier. All right, so the book of Hebrews, then, uh, its main uh, focus is bringing Old Testament to new, what it means that all things have been fulfilled in Christ. So this will be our theme, and he really sets this up in the first verses. Uh, so we will go ahead and jump in. Um, are there any other preliminary questions that you had before we jump into the text itself? I, I must admit, I, I get a little bit, a, a little bored reading preliminary stuff, and I just like to get to it. So that, that's my tendency. <laughs> um, so, uh, but it doesn't mean it's not important or that the history doesn't matter. I just, uh, I like to go straight to what's, what's already put down. All right, well. Who's it being written to? Oh, um, that's a good question. So the audience was assumed to be, he, well, uh, Jewish um, because of all the connection to the Old Testament. So you'll see when we read through this that whoever this speaker was, um, Paul most likely, uh, he was giving this sermon to those who are well acquainted with the scriptures because he doesn't say where he gets the things from, he assumes they know it. So he'll say things like, um, and, and he says somewhere, or God says here, but he doesn't say God said in Psalm 102. Uh, so it, it's interesting that the, the writer is assuming much of what the people already know. Uh, so just like many times in Bible study where I'll say, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He's assuming that kind of knowledge. So uh, it could be Gentiles uh, who, are, who maybe have attended the synagogue, um, like Cornelius. Um, but again, that's the... it's. This is where, this is the questionable historical setting 
Um, so we don't know exactly because he doesn't actually say. All right. <clears throat> so we'll jump in then to chapter 1. So Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. So in many parts and many ways of old, God spoke to the fathers and the prophets. Uh, now you probably have many times. Uh, does anyone else have something different besides that? Sundry times, yes. Although now, what, what, what is the, the common equivalent of that? In a diverse manner. In a diverse manner, yes. Uh, so I think sundry would be different, right? Um, you know, to sunder, that's King James, right? Yeah, so I'm guessing that would be actually various times. Um, so yeah, sort of the same. Does anyone else have something besides many times and many ways? I'm sorry? In the past? Yeah, right. So there's, this word, I, I think, is, uh, is, is better that many times, um, I think it's better to say in many parts. Uh, and, and why I say that is um, it, it, it makes sense that throughout time uh, you had uh, different parts of Jesus revealed. So, for instance, you have Isaiah who gives these wonderful prophecies, um, but not every prophecy. And so you have other prophets who give different prophecies. And so these are the different parts that have now been collected into Christ. Um, so there, times is not bad. Uh, it's, still, uh, it's still indicating that uh, there are different times in which God came. Um, but I, I appreciate the idea of parts more. Um, it just, I think, gets at it more. The, the actual, uh, the Greek word is meros, which is a member or a part. Um, which again, colloquially, I guess, could be part or times, but I like the idea of parts. So what's been happening all along in the past? God has been speaking. How does God speak in the past? Through the prophets. Right, so God himself, you know, we've been talking about scripture all along. God himself says, I spoke through these men. That's what he did. Uh, and he didn't always speak in the same way. So sometimes he would speak in what? Dreams. Dreams. Yep, dreams is one of them. How else would God speak to the prophets? What? Yeah, yeah the yeah, the type, the genre is different, right? So the Psalms are different than the historical narrative. That's true. Um, so you have dreams, you have different types of literature. Prophecy. Prophecy, yeah. Um Visions, yeah, right? And sometimes those would be the, uh, you know, like the Valley of the Dry Bones, right? A terrifying vision. Um, I guess not at the end. Yes? How would you differentiate visions from dreams? A dream is when you're sleeping. A vision could be both. So you could have a vision when you're asleep, but usually it means when you're awake. He's saying omen? Oh, uh, omen, that's more like a sign. Yeah, like, a, like I saw an omen of something. That'd be like, that'd be like uh, you know, well, if you see three blackbirds on the tree, you will know to turn right on Military Street. Um, so that, that's an omen. Um, now, it's true. God does you know, indicate certain things in history to help us mark 
that something has happened. Right? When you see, like for instance, Jesus himself, right? when, when you see the leaves coming out in the springtime, you will know it is time. And so he gives us ways to mark. That's really what prophecies are. Right? They're a mark in the sand. When this happens, you'll know. You know that. So when John the Baptist comes, he's the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Well, that's from Malachi. Right? That's a prophecy. So yeah, so I think that, that fits more in with the omen idea, the sign idea. Yes, Judy. Didn't he also speak like directly? Like yes. Yes, that's right. Yeah, he speaks directly, right? Face to face with Moses, also on the burning bush. Yeah. He wrote the Ten Commandments with his finger. Yep. Right. Uh, an oracle? Yeah, oracle. That's a, it's a vision. That's a, oh, an oracle is a vision. Um, no, is an oracle a vision or a saying? I can't remember now. It's one of the two. Yeah. All this is related to how the receiver presented it to the world. You know, I had a vision or I... Yeah, this is right. Yeah, it's always a report from the prophet about how God came to him, Right? Um, and someone said angels, that's true. Earl, you said God wrote with his finger. Yes, that's true. Well, wasn't there a story where somebody was writing a donkey and the donkey talked to them? That's right, yes. Balaam. Yeah. Balaam's ass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, when, when your ass speaks. Um, so, uh, well, I mean, this is King James. Come on now. Um, yes. So, <laughs> So, yeah, the, so the donkey spoke to Balaam. And it's interesting because the donkey is actually the one who saw a vision. Well, not a vision, but he saw the angel. And Balaam didn't. Does, anybody, does everyone know the story of Balaam? Okay, so, uh, so the king goes to Balaam. Uh, and this is, again, uh, the king of... Where? Now I'm forgetting the, the, which, where he's, what he's king of. Is it Syria? Uh, one of the enemy nations of Israel... Uh, so he uh, goes to Balaam, who is a prophet, and he tells Balaam, okay, I need you to come to Israel, and I need you to curse them for me. Then, then they will be, you know, cursed. So Balaam at first says, well, I can't say anything. God doesn't tell me. And so they go away. They come back, uh, and they say, Balaam, please come with us. You know, we'll pay you. Say whatever God says. We just want you to come. So he goes. He's riding his donkey. And uh, first the donkey... What is he? He lays down. Wasn't there an angel that blocked? That's right. Each yeah, several times this this uh, this angel blocks the path and uh, oh yeah, first the first he he, uh, gets the donkey to try to go. He doesn't go. He starts beating the donkey. Finally, the donkey lays down, right? Uh, And and he starts to beat the donkey again, uh, and the donkey starts talking to him, uh, and he and he says, "Have I ever been unfaithful to you?" You know. Again, could you imagine your animal t- talking? Maybe this is where uh, C.S. Lewis got Chronicles of Narnia. I don't know. Um, you what? Mr. Ed, yeah. Um, so, uh, so, you, so you have this donkey talking to Balaam. And, uh, and, and, he's, and he, he sees the angel. And, and, the angels, and, and God said, surely if it were not for these three times that, this, that your donkey did not stop you, I would have struck you down. Um, so yeah, yeah. So we there. There's also when God shows some people some things, 
and other people can't see them. Um, gosh, now I see my Bible trivia is just so bad. I don't know the king. I don't know the king who did that. Anyway, Balak, thank you. King of Moab. Okay. Oh, thank you, Pastor Wolf. <laughs> Thanks for your honesty. Um, all right, so, um, so, yeah, we have all these different ways then. Right? This is the past. This is the Old Testament and many parts as well. So I think you could sort of take both of those things together, parts, times, and ways. Right? Um, that God is now bringing all this to bear, but he has one message the whole time. And this is the glory of it. It's the same God speaking through all these different ways. Um, and he's speaking to the fathers. Who are the fathers? <laughs> yeah, Father Abraham is one of them. Who else is it? Yeah, yeah, the Old Testament, you know, ancestors. Um, the old te- basically, when, when, when you have prophets and fathers, think Old Testament. Because, again, that's sort of how they consider it, right? Is the Old Testament is the prophets and the fathers. So, so he's dealing with what the Old Testament did. But now we're in verse 2. Uh, he's going to deal with us in a different way. In a, uh, maybe, maybe we shouldn't say different, maybe a, a clearer way. So verse 2. Uh, but upon these last days, he spoke to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the ages. All right, so here you have... Uh, where we are now. Okay, so get the Old Testament. That's in its setting. Um, God is speaking in the Old Testament. So we cannot deny it, nor should we uh, try to get away from it. All the things he said are now coming to their completion. And now we're in the last days. Um, who is speaking in the last days? Yeah, it's the sun. Right? This, is, this is the glory of it. Now his son has come. And this is the, this is the astonishing part. It, it's an assumption in the verse. But whose son? God's son. Right? So God has a son. And he's speaking through him. So if you wish now to hear God in these last days, who do you have to listen to? Jesus. Jesus, that's right. Yeah, which is the word. So if you, so you can't get around Jesus. Uh, there is no other teacher. If you want God, you have to have His Son, who is Christ. Um, now we get into who. It, so now, if you want God, you have to have His Son. Well, now we need to know who this is. And now the book of now the, the author is going to tell us exactly who the Son is and why He gets to talk to us. And even what he's going to say. All right. So who is this son? Uh, first, he was appointed heir of all things. So how is Jesus appointed heir of all things? How is he? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's his father's will, right? How does he do the appointing? How does he give it to him? Yeah, that's one of them, right? He, he anoints the son, right? Um, 
Right, right. Yep. So, so he, anoint, he anoints him at, his, at Jesus' baptism. So this then really takes on the character of Jesus in his body. Um, because, of course, being the son of God, you always have all things. But now, being the heir of all things uh, means that they, they've always belonged to you. Um, it also means he is truly the son. He, and, and, and by that, I mean, uh, well, how we would say it is, by blood, right? Of course, with God, that would be by essence. Um, but that he is no different than the Father in power and in majesty as God. Yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, right. Oh, the, this is our verse. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Funny enough. Uh, so our verse this year is in all things, right? So, uh, so that's exactly right, Jim. Okay, so he, he is the heir of all things. Yes, Right. I usually associate the, the baptism with him kind of inheriting our sin and then taking that to the cross to, to pay for it. Um, but then because he did that, because it was the will of the Father to do that, to rescue us and to provide our salvation, that's when he became heir of all things as a man, that, that he fulfilled the Father's will, won salvation for us, and uh, and, and, and uh, and so God, the Father, raised him from the dead. That's right. Yeah, and, and I, th- I think those two things are united, but I think that's even more proper, is that, you know, he's, he's anointed as the Christ in the baptism, but then he fulfills that anointing in his death. And even the, even the language of heir brings the language of death, right? That, that you, are, you have inherited something. And, and we also hear Jesus in Matthew 28 saying, all authority has been given to me. Yes, that's right. Yes. That's not language that he spoke before his death. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think as a scripture verse, that's got to be the one. You know, to, to directly unite to this, all things have been given to me by my Father. Uh, and, of course, this is in his ascension, or, sorry, in his resurrection. Uh, so, yes, thank you for that and providing the clarity. Now, the other interesting thing is, what is all things? Do you really believe that? It's everything. Does everything belong to Jesus? It really does, right? I only ask the question because sometimes we assume things are outside of Jesus' power. And they are most certainly not. They're always in his power. I would think everything that's created but prove to me something that isn't created. That's right. That's right. And, and um, even the devil is God's devil, right? He owns him. He created him. Um, now, the thing that is not properly God's is sin. Right? And, but sin is, is not creation. Sin is corruption. Okay? Um, so that is what can be done with creation, not uh, what God works in creation. Okay. Um, so we have heir of all things, and now we go back to his Godhead, uh, in, in verse 2, through whom also he, oh, yeah, through whom he made the ages. So, okay, so who is the one who's making here? It says, through, through whom also he made the ages. Who is, who is creating? Who is the whom, through whom, and who is he made? 
So right, so so far in our in our text, we have God and the Son. Which one's which in this text? In this verse? Both. You say both, but they're singular. It doesn't say multiple. Okay, so let, let's follow it. Um, so he has spoken to us in the Son. Okay, now he goes on. Um, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the ages. So it's God the Father who makes through the Son. Okay? So again, that order is, is vital. Right? It's always God the Father through the Son. Right? The Son is begotten of the Father. Yeah? In Genesis, when well, God spoke, that's when things were created. Yeah. Right. Well, if the, the Word is what created, and Christ is the Word. That's right. Okay. Yep, so through Him. And again, yeah, it gives that clarity, right? This is the best part about the Bible, is that it, it, it explains you exactly what happened. Now, it's a mystery, right? I mean, again, uh, you know, how all things can happen through a person is, is a mystery. But yet, you know, in Colossians, all things hold together in Him. Right? Uh, so they can't be separated. No. You can't separate the Father and the Son. Yeah. Now, they're separate persons. But you can't have, yes, but you can't have God without the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Distinct. Yeah, you're right. Distinct. Um, but again, the Father is not the Son. And the Son is not the Father. And, and that's clear here, right? So you don't want to mix them up. Um, so it's through whom? Through Jesus. Also, God the Father made the ages. Um, now, you probably have worlds. Does anyone have... Do you have, does anyone have ages in there? Okay. Um, I, you could interpret it worlds. Um, sometimes that's interpreted that way. Uh, I don't have a problem with it, um, per se. Because, uh, again, it's God making everything that's in the world or of the world. But uh, I, I think, and Luther thinks this too, um, that ages is a little more fitting because it means every time is in God's hands. Um, the world idea is... Uh, again, I mean, the, the actual word is age. But we sort of know this in the same way. Um, this is, uh, oh, how, how, how can I put it? Um, the world at this time. So we know the world as it is. Right? So this is our world. Um, and so the age would be the world. You could describe it that way. So this is um, in our time, in our world, in our place. Um, but here, I... I think the, the better way to describe it is Jesus is the one who all the ages, every time in history was made through him. Um, but again, the worlds would be fine because that also is all times in history. Um, but I like the ages better. Okay, so now we have two things. One, he is the heir of all things. The other is that he made, all things were made, all ages were made through him. So this is who Jesus is. This is the one who is now speaking to you. Okay, so, so verse 3. Um, who being the radiance of his glory and the imprint of his substance. Sorry, you have to interpret this. Uh, so radiance of his glory and the imprint of his essence, substance. 
bearing all things by the word of his power, uh, being made a, or make himself making a cleansing of sins. Oh, after sorry, after he made a cleansing of sins, he sat at the right hand of the highest heaven. Okay, um, so there, there's a lot in there. Now, this is where we uh, get the the creed. We say the Nicene Creed all the time, um, but here is where we say. Um, Begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, being of one substance with the Father. Um, now, to be fair, it's not technically the same word in Greek. They, 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 that word is homoousios, so ousia is a, a word for essence. Um, this word is hypostasis, which is like being a support, standing underneath, um, so they are different words, but they're the same concept. So there's two ways to describe Jesus. In verse 3, one is he is the radiance of his glory. Uh, now, if you think of the sun and its rays, uh, he's not the reflection. Okay? He is the ray. Okay? So if the sun generates it, the ray is the thing you're seeing. So it's, when, it, when you hear radiance of his glory, he's not just a reflection. Okay? Uh, he is what's coming forth from the Father. Just like that actual ray of light is coming from the Son. So if you wish to encounter the Father, how will you encounter him? If you wish to encounter the Son, the only way to encounter the Son is what? By its rays. Right? You see by its rays. If the sun did not shine, you could not see the sun. Um, in the same way, the Father sends out the sun, and the only way to see the Father is through Jesus. So he is the radiance, then, of his glory. If you wish to see God's glory, you must see Jesus. Also, then, the next word that describes him is he's the character of, of his substance, or sorry, the, the image of his substance. Um, what does the King James say? The express image of his person. Ah, okay, yeah. So the express image of his person. Uh, does someone have a different description of that? Likeness. The likeness, yeah, of his likeness. Okay, yes. The exact yeah, the exact representation of what? Of his nature. Of his nature. Okay, that's, I think that's the ESV. Is that? NASB, okay. Yes, the, the exact imprint of his nature. The exact imprint of his nature. So if you think of an imprint, and that, so character, that's the word that's used, character. Um, now, if you think of a character, character is what happens when someone imprints something on you. You get character. That's why the old phrase, right, you know, we'll, we'll get you some character by, uh, you know, putting you through it. Um, so the character you get is left on you by someone else, right? You're exercised in something, um, so you're an, it's an imprint. Or maybe a better way to say it is a coin. When you stamp a coin, you have the stamp and you have the coin. The, the stamp produces the coin. It's the exact imprint. Right? That's why they use that, that image. And again, that's, so, that's how character works, right? You encounter the true thing you want to be like. So let's say you want the character of being courageous. 
Well, you're going to follow a person that's courageous. And by doing that, you begin to reproduce that image in yourself. Okay, so that's what it's getting at. Um, so that Jesus is the exact imprint of his nature. Um, the stuff that belongs to God is the stuff that belongs to Jesus. Um, or maybe the, the best way to put it is, uh, just like a father has a son and he shares his DNA, he's a, he's, my, my children are human right? because they are my children. God's children are God because he is God. Right? Now, we are his children by adoption, but that's different. Okay? Uh, we, are, we are his children through Jesus. But we say something in the creed that should puzzle you. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son. Why does he say that? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. It's not begotten son, only begotten. Well, that's in the Nicene. I'm sorry, I jumped to the Apostles' Creed. <laughs> I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit. Why do we say the only son? The Father only has one Son, only one true Son, who is God. Again, it's, it's, it wouldn't be surprising for, you, for me to come to you and say, did you know that my son is a boy? <laughs> did you know that my son is a human being? You'd be like, uh, you need to you know, check in somewhere, right? Um, so why would it be surprising to us to say God's Son is God? It's not. It's not surprising um, in the sense that if God has a son, he by, by necessity is God. And that's really what this is saying. He's the exact imprint. Just like my children are the exact imprint of my wife and I, so when the father begets, he is the exact imprint of the father. Okay. So this is, again, who Jesus is. Um, now, now, because he is those things, he bears all things by the word of his power. This is quite, again, these are, these are great, astonishing things. Could you imagine? Now, this is probably a sermon. So this is how he's starting his sermon. <laughs> so, um, so maybe I should start my sermon this way. <laughs> but I think sometimes we hear these wonderful things, like the creeds, and we just don't quite process them. Right? They become a part of us, which is good. But it, it's quite amazing when you look at what they, what they mean. So, Jesus is carrying. So, if you imagine, more, more like this. Um, God, many times, describes himself as a shepherd. Um, or even as a mother who carries her child. So, Jesus is carrying. This is what's happening. He's, he's got you enfolded. And maybe the best song is the ch children's song, right? He's got the whole world, right? That's it. That's true. Uh, and this, is, this is, might even be where they got that from, right? Um, but he, that's, he's bearing all things, but here's how he bears it. How does he hold them? By the word of his power, okay? So if you want to be born Carried by Christ? How? How are you born and carried by Christ? By the Word. Right? And again, for us, 
words seem mm, very impersonal, right? We would rather, you know, hug or shake, right? Uh, and that's how we sort of express ourselves because we are embodied. Um, but again, the word of God made you, right? So this is not our kinds of words in, in the sense that um, uh, it's not the way we normally think of words. They're, they are words, but God's words do what they say. Our words are weak in the sense that they don't always do what they say. Uh, I can tell you that because I have children. Um, but, uh, but God's words are, uh, you cannot say no, um, although you can reject it, and then he has another word for you. Uh, so, but it's always God carrying all things by the word of his power. Um, now, he is, after he has made a cleansing of sin, he sat at the right hand of the most high place in the heavens. Okay, so what is the cleansing of sin? Yeah, the cross, right? Simple enough. This is, so after he makes this cleansing, then he ascends. Then he goes and sits at the right hand. Why is it, requi- why is it in that order? Wasn't Jesus already there? Yeah. What? He had to die as a man. Okay, and why? Why, why was the death required for him to sit at the right hand? Right, right. So he had to die to atone for our sins. And this then means that we are intimately connected with this picture. So do not assume that when we're talking about Jesus, you're not involved. Because Jesus took on flesh. And Hebrews, more than most other books, speaks of the incarnation um, as he is our great high priest. The only way he can be that is if he can atone for our sin. Yeah. Ransom, yeah. Yeah, right. So, yeah, he is our ransom because he atoned for us. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to. You speak from now on. All right. Um, okay, so we, we now have who Jesus is. So, so let's, let's recap. Again, this has only been three verses, but it's sort of mind-bending when you're going this close. So let's, let's go back. In many times and in many ways of old, God spoke to the, to, the, uh, to the fathers and the prophets. But in these last days, he spoke to us in the Son, who he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made all things, who being the radiance of his glory, and the imprint of his nature, while bearing all things by the word of his power, after making a cleansing of sins, he sat at the right hand of the highest in the heavens. Okay, so that's, that's where we are. Um, all right, so verse 4. Oh, and, and again, being at the right hand. This is going to be a big thing for him because that's where the king sits. 
And he rules now in two ways. We've heard that he rules as a king in power, but now we also hear that he rules as a priest because he's cleansing sin. So these are the two images then that Hebrews brings before you. He is the king, he is the priest. So he's at the right hand. Now we're, we're, we're going on. For so far better is he than the angels, as much as the name which he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So now we have a point of comparison. What is an angel? What is an angel? What is an angel? The creation of God. Yes, absolutely, right? And, and we know that because right here, right? There's nothing outside of his creation. <laughs> Brownie points, Bruce. Um, uh, yes, every husband should be saying my wife. Yes, that's true. Um, but uh, an angel in the scriptures... Is what? A messenger? Yes. Um, and, and we're going to find out exactly what they are soon. But are they, are they human? No. Right? They're, they're different than us. Are they visible? Yes, they can sometimes make themselves visible. But it, is it normal for them to be, be visible? No. Um, now, I will say this. Uh, the our reason for not seeing uh, is, I think, more due to our blindness and sin than that they are necessarily uh, invisible. Um, because when we have our new spiritual body, we will be able to see God, who is invisible. Uh, and this, this then is a great mystery, um, but, but we will have a different kind of vision. So, okay, uh, angels then are spirit beings, and we'll find that out. Um, but how, are they powerful? Yes. <clears throat> yes. One can kill, I'm going to say 185,000 men. Was it 185? But it was, a, it was a whole army. I mean, it decimated them. One, one angel. And the talking donkey. And the talking donkey, right. Um, that's right. Yeah. So when they, so when, uh, yeah, that's right. When when they entertain them unaware. Um, so when they, uh, for instance, the the three that come to see Abraham, uh, one is God, uh, and then the the question is whether the other two are also God. Could be Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but it could also be two angels and Jesus. Not sure. Um, the Father has never come in personal form, though. So it's more of a you know, probably Jesus and two angels. Um, okay, so, using, yeah. Using that, couldn't you also say that God appears in the form of angels? Yes, yeah. So, so yeah, so Jesus in the Old Testament is sometimes called God's messenger, which can be very confusing because that's the word for angel. <laughs> um, so, so, yes, God, Jesus does appear in the Old Testament, um, as a messenger of God. Um, but again, there are still angels that are different, right? You have Gabriel uh, who appears. Yes? The angel of the Lord, isn't that kind of like the second person? Yes, that's right, that's right, yeah. The angel of the Lord is usually a name given to Jesus, the messenger of the Lord, yeah. Um, which would be a whole other study, so we won't go there. Um, 
But outside of that designation, there are angels, namely spirits, who are messengers of God and who are very powerful and some of them have wings. Uh, we know that because of the vision of Daniel. Right? Now, that co- of course, that could just be the envisioning of an angel, what it would look like. Uh, but again, they are real. They do God's will. They came to Mary. Right? The angel Gabriel comes to Mary uh, and he announces things to her. So the, the angels come and they herald the Savior's birth. Right? The angels stand around God's throne. Now these angels, uh, they are powerful and sometimes they are even bowed down to by men. But no angel ever bows down to a man. Okay, this is an important thing to remember. Um, now, these angels then are the highest being outside of mankind. And now it's saying Jesus has a higher authority, is greater than them. What makes him greater? He's the son of God. Yes? Right? And, and what does verse 4 say? What is the inheritance? It says, no? The name. As much as the name that he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And of course, you said it before, he is God's son, but he has his name. And the name of God is, very, is vital in the Old Testament because the name of God means you have access to him. And his name is Yahweh in the Old Testament. Um, now, again, the Pharisees... Oh, yeah, go ahead. I don't like it too Uh-huh. Is there different rankings of angels? You got angels, There are. Yes, there are. Yep, yep. There are, uh, there are different rankings of angels. Uh, you, you do have the archangels. Uh, you have the angels standing at the four corners. Um, you have the angels at the throne of God. So, and, and we get that... We actually had that reading today... Uh, maybe you recall it where uh, it says the armor of God. Well, right before that, it talks about there being powers and principalities that we cannot see, right? So that is a reality for the angels. But again, uh, last week we talked about Scripture. It only reveals what we need to know for salvation and a holy life. So it doesn't reveal everything about the angels. But yes, we do have those. Those are revealed in Scripture, so there are archangels, meaning high angels, and lower, angels of lower rank. Um, which, again, it, it's going to be glorious on the last, when we can finally see all these things. Um, okay, so for now, though, we're still on Jesus. He is higher than the angels. His name he has inherited is higher. Okay, uh, so now we're going to jump into different psalms, and we're going to see through these that God himself declares Jesus to be who he is. Okay? So God explains who Jesus is. It's sort of an amazing thing what the writer of Hebrews does because he uses all Old Testament. And who spoke the Old Testament? God did, right? So God is now explaining himself. Um, so it's sort of a, a, a wonderful thing that we get to hear God tell us who Jesus is. Okay? All right, so verse five. Uh, for which... Oh, now he's still speaking of angels. For which of the angels, uh, before 
sorry, for who said in the past of the angels, uh, you are my son, today I have begotten you. All right, now this is, this is Psalm 2. So if you have your Bible, let's open to the psalm. So he's quoting these psalms. Um, so Psalm chapter 2. Now this was quoted from verse 7. So if you look at verse 7 right away. I will declare the decree, the Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. So isn't it wonderful to see them quoting the Old Testament? You get to sort of look back and see for yourself. But you'll notice the context of uh, Psalm 2. Now if you want to read the Bible, and Hebrews does this, if you want to read the Bible, you've got to know the Old and the New. Because the Old Testament explains many things that happened in the new. And so here we see he uses only the Old Testament. He doesn't say, well, you know, this guy said, or this other really smart guy said, or I have consulted five commentaries. He just says, God said. And God said because it's the Old Testament. So God says. Um, Now, in Psalm 2, we'll just uh, read through this because I think it's good for us to, to get it. Um, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. Who is the anointed? It is Jesus. And now we know that because... Hebrews tells us it's Jesus, right? He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my on I have, yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, "You are my son." Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is quickly kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. This is the son. He has come and in our context now, we know that this is Jesus who has come as king. And we even have the the language of inheritance. He's inheriting the nations. But the way in which he does it is in the midst of scorn and derision. The world hates him, and yet he sits on his throne, judging all the same. Uh, and in the end, if, those do not, if you do not trust in him, you will have his wrath. 
it. So, and that's the kingdom today. This is the kingdom of Christ. All right, so that's Psalm 2. Uh, now, he's still comparing the angels, but again, the reason for his comparison is he wants to show you that Jesus is the true king. Okay? All right, and again, now this, this is quoted from, oh, and keep in mind in verse 5, uh, Hebrews does something that no other book does. He doesn't say, like Matthew, it is written. What is, how does he introduce verse 5? He said. Who is he? God. So you notice, he doesn't even, he just cuts through it all. God said. Right? If, if you want a stronger proof for the Old Testament being the exact word of God, you can't find it in much other places. This is God said. He said. And again, he said. I will be to him for a father, and he will be to me for a son. Uh, now, this is in 2 Samuel chapter 7. So if you want to look at 2 Samuel chapter 7. Okay, the verse it's taken from is verse 14. Then the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath. And Israel recovered his... Ter- oh, no, this is not right. Oh, this is first Samuel. <sighs> well, let me uh, go to second Samuel. <laughs> uh, thank you. I was going to get there at the end. I was going to notice this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, 14. God's covenant with David. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Before your throne shall be established. Yeah, sorry. Your throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. Now, we actually had the thanksgiving today. That was our reading today, uh, was the thanksgiving for this this giving of a promise. Um, So God makes this covenant with David. Who is the covenant about? Here we see it's very clearly about Christ. Now you could say it's also about Solomon. Um, and I think that it's fine to have both. Because just like Jesus is uh, the son of David, even though he's the son of Mary and the son of God, um, so we can have Solomon being a picture of Jesus and yet not quite attaining to the promise yet. Uh, because... Is Solomon still alive? No. So then the promise failed? No. Right? Then the the promise was not fulfilled in Solomon. Partially so, maybe. Um, but, But yet, there's another one coming. And this is the one. So then all the Old Testament and all the kings that were prepared for is really the preparation for Jesus. 
When you read the Old Testament, do not think it is irrelevant. Israel, as they strive with the kingdoms, is God's kingdom striving with the kingdoms of the world. And now, finally, when Jesus comes, he has established his final kingdom. Okay, so Jesus comes. um, He is the Father and the Son. Okay, uh, now in verse 6, going back to Hebrews. Now, when, again, he should bring into the world the firstborn, he says, also... They worship him, all the angels of God. So all the angels of God also worship him. All right, now, now you get what this status means. Um, but let's, let's go first to, uh, let's see, verse 6 is Deuteronomy. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Psalm 97. It can also be Deuteronomy 32. It's in both those places. So can someone turn to Deuteronomy 32, 43? Can I get a volunteer? Okay, go ahead. And, and then uh, let, me, let me turn to... Psalm, or someone else want to do Psalm 97? Okay, so Earl, you got Psalm 97. Bruce, you got uh, Deuteronomy 32, 43. Uh, Psalm 97, verse 7. Uh, Earl, yeah, you go ahead and go first. Whoever wants to. That I'll be put to shame who serves our Psalm 92 or 97? 97. Okay. That's all right. I, I can't get the right number either. That often put to shame who serve our images, who boast of idols, worship him, all these gods. Okay. Where are the angels there? In verse 7. Some of the people that worship All right. Let all be put to shame who serve carved images, who boast of idols. Worship him, all you gods. The angels sometimes are called gods. Now, this word in Hebrew is actually divine beings, but sometimes it's translated as gods. There is a word for God, but again, this is it's just translations in general. So it's, it's not bad or wrong, but how do you describe a divine being? You can call him a god, right? Um, and even Jesus uses this when, he, uh, when he's talking to the scribes and Pharisees. He says... Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, worship him, all you gods. So the sons of God and also angels are sometimes called sons of God. That happens in Job chapter 1. Um, but these angels then worship the son, which is, again, an amazing thing because there's no worship of angels. Angels do not worship anyone but God. There is no other that they worship. Okay, then let's go to Deuteronomy uh, 32, uh, 43. Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. Hmm. That's what it says. <laughs> I have looking forward to it. Ah, okay. I think that this is, because this says it's in the, what's the, what's the next verse? Forty-four. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you read the next verse? It's right after forty-three. <laughs> and Moses came and spake all the words of this song in the ears of the people. He and who's that? Hosea. 
Oh, Shia. Oh, my eyes are working. The son of God. Oh. But yeah, I don't see. Huh, okay. It's in the second phrase of the first part of 43. Okay. And in ESV it says, Rejoice with him, O heavens. Bow down to him, O God. Ah, okay. So I'm thinking that the ESV took a textual note that was different than what what the KJV did. So, again, this is Bible translation. Um, Oh, it does. What does it say? It says, see Dead Sea Scrolls and Septuagint. Okay. So it's in the Septuagint and the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, and we'll go with Psalm 97. <laughs> um, okay. So we have Jesus being worshipped by the angels. Uh, and, uh, and let me... Can I grab that sheet real quick? I just want to... So just in recapping here, I forgot to explain to you um, that this, what I'm going to do for you, you can take notes on this, um, but I, this is going to be the what does this mean. So after class, if you're reflecting on this and you're like, what in the world does this have to do with my life? Why does pastor talk that way? Um, you, can, you can look through this and, and sort of see some more of the application um, that I'm trying to do. So we've gone through the Old and New Testaments are God speaking to me. Okay, that's, that's number one. Number two, the message of the Old and New Testament are united. And they deliver Jesus to me, right, to you. Um, the Father and the Son desire to come to me with the word. Okay, that's, that's what, and then uh, if I want to be united to God, I must go to his word and finally, the Old Testament explains who Jesus is for me. Um, so uh, these are going to be sort of your takeaways. Uh, you, know, you can sort of use them as you go home. You're, you know, I, I, I sort of want to treat this as a devotional material for you. So you're, as you're reading back through and you're thinking, okay, you know, how does this, what does this mean? Um, you, can, you can use this to help you in your prayers. All right. Well, uh, any other questions before we close? Yeah, Tony. I have just one. Please, an announcement. Go. Um, I have a few posters left promoting Friday's Apologetics Conference. If you happen to have access to a facility that you could post one of these, I, I, rather than going to waste uh, Pastor Baisley 